In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Beloved Orthodox Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, <clears throat> we are celebrating on the seventh Sunday of Pascha, the memory of the Holy Fathers that attended <clears throat> the Holy and First Ecumenical Council that was convened there in Nicaea by Emperor Constantine. <clears throat> and in preparation for today's celebration, yesterday, last uh, night during the uh, Vespers, three readings were read from the Old Testament. And the first one was from Genesis, from the book of Genesis, where uh, Abraham goes to uh, liberate, to free his nephew Lot from the captivity of king of Sodom. And one asks, what is the reason why we read this in preparation for the council, for the celebration of the council of Nicaea that we are celebrating today? And it is that the church, the Holy Father, saw in this the prefiguration, a prophecy, a type of what happened in Genesis with Abraham liberating Lot to what happened in the council of Nicaea. And in what way? We see that Lot was taken captive by king of Sodom. This is the meaning that the truth, the true faith, was taken captive by heresy. And Abraham, being the figure of the church, mustered, it says in the, in the book of Genesis, 318 chosen men from his household and went and made war with the king of Sodom and liberated Lot, his nephew. 318 chosen men, warriors. This is the number that the, of the soldiers of Abraham, and that is exactly the number also of the holy fathers that assembled in the council of Nicaea. So Abraham is the figure of the church, and the 318 chosen warriors of his are the, is the figure of the holy fathers. Not only metaphorically, but even numerically, the prophecy was true and came true when the fathers of the church came from all the known world, from the whole Roman Empire, assembled in Nicaea, and there, like Lot was liberated by the 318 from the captivity of Sodom, they, the 318 fathers, liberated the true piety, the true theology, from the captivity of heresy. This is what, why we read that from the book of Genesis, a most marvelous prophecy, not only metaphorically, as I say, but even in the matter of numbers, of how many warriors Abraham had was a prophecy of how many warriors would the church muster to fight against the heresy. And what was this heresy that the fathers contended against? It was the madness, as the church, as the church chants, madness of Arius, who tried to separate the one essence of father and the son, saying that there was a time where father had no son and the, that the son of God is a creature. Yes, the first among the creation, but still a creature. This the fathers contended against because it was the denial of everything that we know from the Holy Gospel and the preaching of the apostles. And they contending that and said that, no, that's an impiety because there was no time that Father had no Son, and that the Father and the Son share the same essence, and our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, is true God of true God, light of light. There was no time where Father had no Son, there was no time when Son had no Father. Therefore they defended the true piety, and as we, as we chant in the service of the Vespers, like true hoplites, true soldiers of Christ, they defended the, the preaching of the apostles by then the doctrines by which they explained what is it that the uh, apostolic teaching 
is. And how marvelous was that congregation. If we read the history of the Council of Nicaea, we'll see how truly marvelous was the whole congregation of the fathers. For at that time, this is happening in 325, just 12 years after the peace of Constantine. Before then, the church had been under the persecution for 30 whole years, on and off, started by Diocletian, and then by Maxentius, Maximinus, Licinius, Galerius, all these tyrants, one after another, persecuting the church. Martyrs were in hundreds and in their thousands glorified in those times. And 12 years before this Council of Nicaea, this was the reality. Therefore, many of the fathers who came to the council, they had visible signs of torture, scars, maimed. Some were lacking an eye in one socket. Another had, uh, uh, the hands were incapacitated because of the tortures. Another was maimed that he didn't have one hand. And when St. Constantine, that blessed prince, the first among the Christian kings, saw this marvelous congregation of the fathers who had suffered, we are confessors, were martyrs, living martyrs, he was so awed that he went to many of them and kissed their scars. He kissed one's empty socket uh, of the eye, another's maimed hand. He was so moved by the, this, this holy fathers who were venerable old men, but uh, uh, true hoplites of of God who had contended and had defended the faith even at the expense of their own physical wellness. And who were these fathers? Great fathers. St. Athanasius of Alexandria was a deacon then and he was accompanying St. Alexander, the Pope of Alexandria. Then there was, we know that St. Nicholas was there, St. Spiridon was there also, St. Eustathius of Antioch, Paul of Neo Caesarea, Jacob of, of, of Nisibis, Paphnutius, of, uh, who was an Egyptian and disciple of St. Anthony the Great, a great man of prayer who had also become a bishop. Great holy fathers were assembled and like the uh, melodious choir, they together sang the, the, uh, the, the true song, the true song of piety and theology, our Savior condemning Arius and defending the true faith. As I say, because of them we have that beautiful creed that we repeat every day and many times a day, which, as the, the service says, is short in words but broad in meaning. Because in short, it explains what is the, the basics of our faith, but the meaning behind each of the statements there is broad, unfathomable, deep. That is what we have from the first council of Nicaea. And the church honors this council greatly, right from the beginning. When one, for centuries to come, when one wanted to prove that he was orthodox, it came into the parlance among the Orthodox Christians to say that his faith was the faith of the 318 fathers. So when one was asked, what faith are you? It was a common thing for one Orthodox to answer, I am of the same faith as the 318 fathers. So it meant that you were Orthodox. And many times we find among the, in the conversations of strangers meeting and uh, we, when new heresies were raging, when one wanted to check the other's faith, if he had that he was the faith of the 318 fathers, okay, you're my brother here, we, we, we have it all, all clear. You had the key to open the, the code, the password. <laughs> so, so that's how much the, the fathers were revered, revered this 318 warriors. 
And we, it is revealed in the church, look how greatly that on the seventh Sunday of Pascha, right between the Ascension and the Pentecost, we should always celebrate their memory and chant to them and revere them and ask for their blessings. Not only to uh, memorialize them, but also to understand that the prayers of these fathers, on that depends our salvation. And this is not an exaggeration, what I'm saying. Why do we say at the beginning, at the end of the every service, through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, Lord Jesus Christ, our God have mercy on us? This is not an accident. It is a, something purposefully done for, to, by the church for us to understand that by the prayers of the fathers who are, were confessors, the fathers who were ascetics, the fathers who loved God by their prayers, is filled that gap that we have in our relationship with God. Listen to this carefully, beloved Christians. Just as God is merciful to those who do evil, that he does not punish the sins or for the sins of the fathers, the sons, that is that the sin of the father doesn't go to the, to, to, over to the son. This is, goes even beyond in his compassion in that he does bless the sons for the virtues of their fathers. This is how greatly merciful our God is. He does not punish the, the sons for the sins of their fathers, but he is merciful and, and brings blessings of their fathers over their sons. And this is not a fancy, this is a reality. Let us hear how the three children in the fiery furnace of Babylon prayed. What did they say? We have sinned, we have done iniquity, we have done unrighteousness, and rightly, was Jerusalem taken for us? Rightly, we were outcasts and became captives. And we have nothing, we have no nerve to look up to heaven and to ask for mercy. But, through one thing only, by the righteousness of our fathers, because of Abraham who loved God, because of Isaac who loved God, because of Jacob who loved God, out of there, because of them, our Lord and Savior, because of their piety, have mercy on us. And God hearkened to this prayer. And he always hearkens to this prayer. It is part of the uh, canon. That is, it's the eighth, ode, uh, seventh ode of the canon. And apart from that prayer, is actually the procumenon for today's feast. Blessed art thou, Lord, the God of our fathers, and praised and glorified this thy name unto the ages. So that prayer's logic is that when we truly humbly ask for God to forgive our sins for the sake of the love and piety that the fa our fathers had towards him, truly he fills whatever we miss to, to fill in our lives. If we try everything, yet that something remains that we are, because of our weakness, because of our senselessness, foolishness, stupidity, we miss to do, he truly fills that because of his love for our fathers, because of his, the love that our fathers had for, for him. Truly marvelous is this mystery, how God is not, we cannot call him just, but truly merciful. For if he was just, then he would uh, punish just as he gives blessing for, to the sons for the sake of their fathers. He would punish also sons for the sins of their fathers. But no, he restrains for punishment and is merciful to the extreme for the, because of the sins. And yet he wants to extend the blessings of the fathers over their sons. 
This is how merciful our God is. And that is why we should understand that when we pray to these holy fathers, when we remember them, we are truly, uh, it, it, on that depends our salvation. Because who can perform the virtues like those fathers did? Who of us is of that capacity to be to attain to holiness. None of us. We all fall short in our prayers, in our fasting, in our piety, everything. But on that, there is a hope that if we truly try, but the rest we put in the hands of the prayers of these holy fathers and have reverence for them, emulate them, and ask God that because of their prayers we should be saved, he will truly do so. He will truly extend their prayers to us also. And we should never doubt that. It doesn't, it's not limited only to the fathers we're commemorating today, but to all the saints. And among them, our, our very own beloved St. John the Russian, who was, is considered, although he was not a hierarch, was not a priest, was not a deacon, didn't attend any councils, nothing. He's still considered a God-bearing father and a confessor. And why? Because he contended with the same zeal for the same truth and piety as these fathers in the seventh, in the first ecumenical council, and all the other fathers, he was like these fathers were like hope, a band of hoplites together. Saint John was a soldier left on his own. When a soldier is left in the enemy territory and he's detached from his from his regiment, he's left alone and he has to contend on his own. And he stands on his both feet and he says, "Here I stand, and I won't move from my faith or my piety." This is what he did. He was like a man on his own, a warrior on his own, who did contend and did defend his faith and turned that captivity in which he was to his own salvation by cultivating the piety, by never abandoning the piety of his fathers and by creating for himself a true occasion for salvation in most adverse situations. That is how truly great he is, and that is why we call him a God-bearing father and a confessor. Let us therefore pray to all of them who we are commemorating today, the holy fathers of the First Ecumenical Council, the 318 hoplites of, of church who defended the faith, and our very own St. John the Russian, who was a lone warrior, but who didn't do any less than any of the other fathers in defending his faith and in cultivating his piety, and thus he attained to the heavenly kingdom. Of this, may our Savior deem us worthy. Amen. Let us all say with our whole soul and with our whole mind, let us say. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. O Lord Almighty, the God of all fathers, we pray thee, hearken and have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy.